Welcome in, and we welcome to you to the Retirement Plan Playbook. We're back in the studio. We're here, excited for another episode. Uh, today we have a special episode. We're going to be talking with Amber Storms from Collaborative Tax Partner, and we're going to be going over uh, some detailed questions about why tax planning is so important and getting your taxes done correctly, and also uh, making sure that your tax plan and financial plan is all aligned. But before we get into that, I'm your host, Brent Pasqua. I'm the founder of RPA Wealth Management. I'm here with Matthew Thiel, Certified Financial Planner, Joshua Winterswike, Certified Financial Planner. How are you doing, guys? I'm doing great, Brent. I'm really excited for today's show. Um, one, I love the two news headlines we have coming up, but also our first studio guest, Amber here. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun today. Yeah, we had to get another mic. We purchased another mic, and you know we have a great guest here. Big next step for the retirement plan playbook. I'm excited to have Amber here and just excited to get started. So what are you guys doing for Thanksgiving? I'll be eating turkey and mashed potatoes and kind of, you know, the run around, maybe drink a beer and have some wine and, um, you know, watching a ton of football. I have a question for you. Do you put cranberry sauce on your turkey? No, I don't put fruit on things. (laughs) What about you, Brett? (laughs) No, I don't either. Okay, so I had actually tried this like a couple Thanksgivings ago. Like put a little turkey in a roll with like some cranberry sauce. Like I always see it at the Thanksgiving table and never gave it a shot. All I'm saying is this year, give it a try. Pretty good, dude. Like a pretty good combo. You wouldn't think so. Pretty good. Hopefully this year's Thanksgiving looks a lot better than last year's. Last year was kind of downer with COVID, but hopefully this year it's a lot better. I agree. Yeah, no, definitely. All right, let's get into the headlines. Uh, For the first headline, and we got some good ones today. The first Bitcoin exchange traded fund started trading on Tuesday, making the most widely traded cryptocurrency available to most investors with a brokerage account. The fund already has over $1 billion in management and is the quickest ETF to reach that threshold. Uh, and that is according to Bloomberg data. What do you think about this new sort of ETF coming to the market and a, a whole new sort of asset class? Yeah, this, so this was a big moment for Bitcoin. It was a big moment for kind of the true Bitcoin believers. Um, and it's a big moment for the retail investor who hasn't, you know, gone out and got a Coinbase account to or even a Robinhood account to purchase, you know, actual Bitcoin. Really big moment. There's a few things I don't like about the ETF, one being the fee. Uh, I don't understand why you do the fee. And the second being that the ETF actually doesn't own Bitcoin. So that's really, really important to understand. It owns futures on Bitcoin. And what a future is, is the right to purchase Bitcoin at a, a given time. But you'll never get to exercise that because you just hold the ETF. Given time in the future. So yeah, given time in the future. The... Exactly, exactly. So what I, who do I like this for? I like this for people who have retirement accounts who can't access Coinbase. Other people, though, who are trying to invest in it in brokerage accounts, I really don't like it. Why pay 1% for Bitcoin when you could go to Coinbase, open an account in five minutes and you know, send $500 and buy your Bitcoin that way? Yeah, those are my thoughts too. Um, I think it's good for the people who don't want to learn how to use Coinbase and also, you know, just the ease, but the fee is extremely high. I think though that this opens the door for a lot more new ETFs. And I think that that price war will help drive the price, not only maybe potentially of this ETF, but other ETFs down. So for those people who want to own it in their retirement accounts or brokerage accounts, eventually, hopefully that price um, does come down. And then also just what I think is like, Bitcoin here to stay. You know, a lot of the the haters on Bitcoin talk about it going to zero, but I mean, it just continues to kind of get past these hurdles, continue to move forward. And I think with the launch of this ETF, it also is taking that next step of, you know, staying around for a while. 
Yeah, I mean, I've been allocating on some of my, you know, investable assets towards cryptocurrencies over the last three and a half, four years. Um, for a while, I, I did like Bitcoin a lot. Um, now I've kind of switched to being a little bit more bullish on Ethereum for some other reasons. Um, but I, I think Bitcoin is here to stay. In my opinion, it's kind of like the digital gold. I actually like it much better than gold. I'd, I'd rather have a client come to me and say they want to buy Bitcoin than they want to buy gold at this point. So how are you handling um, like sort of allocation percentages that someone should um, be putting in there if they are working in a retirement account, IRA, Roth IRA? Should they be allocating a certain percentage to this new ETF? Uh, my general rule of thumb on, on cryptocurrencies is no more than 10% of your net worth. For someone, though, who's using their retirement funds, I'd say under 5%. I mean, you just don't want to gamble your retirement away on, um, you know, something that this unproven sure has a, you know, 10, 11 year track record, but it's still unproven. I mean, the stock market has a, you know, almost a hundred year track record at this point. It's it, still a baby. Right. It, I mean, if somebody does want the crypto exposure, is this the way to do it? Is this through this ETF in their retirement account? Yeah, yeah it's, it's the only way to do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's get to the next one. Former president Donald Trump announced last week that he is launching his own media company. This will include a social media platform and be partially funded by a merger with a SPAC. The SPAC, known as Digital World Acquisition, rose quickly in the first few days before dropping after the initial surge. Uh, the drop happened after uh, major hedge funds started to sell their stake in the fund. What are your thoughts regarding the SPAC and where do you think this goes from here? So this, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, this is really interesting. It kind of sums up the, the time. I mean, I think... so. In general, SPACs trade at what, $10 a share? And then once this news was announced, I think did it shoot up to $175 a share? Yeah. And now it crashed back down to 50 mm-hmm. So first of all, it's kind of sad. Um, the, the first reason it's sad is because somebody bought this at $100, $125, $175, and now more than um, 50% underwater on this investment. Will it go back up that high? I don't know. Probably not. But in the other hand, it kind of like sign of the times, right? Like here's Donald Trump with his brand coming out here, putting it into this SPAC to create a, you know, a media company and the thing goes bonkers and it shoots up. It's, you know, no different than the dog cryptocurrency or the GameStop. That's what I was thinking. It's a meme stock basically yeah. right now. Um, and it's unfortunate for anyone that did buy that, um, even anything above $100. I mean, you don't want to see that. Um, lose that much money but very interesting for this to be launched um, to watch this price movement as well Uh, I think like you said a lot to unfold here too um, especially on the side of Trump's company and where this goes from here they have an idea of where they want to take the company right they have like a vision of a product that they want to launch but at this point it seems like there actually obviously is no product so they're going to have to acquire a company that's already has a product similar to what they're going to want to do with it Um, but right now it's just a shell Right. Yeah. It's just the company with the market cap. Uh, the one thing I will point out, super interesting, because Donald Trump got some shares in this, he is now actually considered a billionaire. Um, so, so pretty cool. Um, in, in that know, is, yeah, he finally. He, so he's finally a true billionaire now. I think he's worth $20 billion and it's all because of the SPAC now. So good for him. I, I have to imagine that this move is like probably the financially best move any president has made after leaving office. I don't think book deals actually net out this type of money. Like financially? Yeah. yeah. And relatively, like, what risk did he have by doing any of this? 
There's not much risk for him. He doesn't need to go on the speaking tour. He doesn't need to do the book tour. He just literally launched a fund, and it's, he's now a billionaire. With hey, I, I would attach my name to a fund for $20 billion. Hey, I'd do it for two. Yeah, So any, any SPAC promoter, come see us. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so let's get into the retirement planning corner. Uh, today we have our special guest with us. Amber Storms is the lead EA at Collaborative Tax Partners. Uh, we took about a year planning out our relationship and partnering up with Amber on having clients be able to have access to uh, an EA who's able to do tax planning and who's able to prepare and complete taxes so that we can make sure that their financial plan is coordinating within their tax plan. And one of the reasons why we did that uh, was because we had found a lot of times we were making specific recommendations within somebody's financial plan. And not everything was actually getting correctly put onto their tax return the way that it was supposed to. And so there was always sort of this disconnect between what the advisor was doing and then what the tax preparer was completing. And we wanted to close that gap. We found so many errors that would happen that would cost people more money in taxes. We found that if we were able to close that gap, it would be a lot easier for clients. And not only that, but it just makes everything so much more seamless. We have a relationship where we can help Amber get all the documents and help the client get prepared. So we built that relationship over a long period of time. And we wanted to talk to her on this podcast to give everyone an idea of uh, some of the reasons why we did what we did and, and with some of the work that she does do. So first question I think, Amber, that I have for you is, um, what made you want to start Collaborative Tax Partners? Well, first, I want to say thank you for having me on today. I'm really excited to be here and really excited for our future, too. With regards to Collaborative Tax Partners, the motivation is actually in the name. I'm more of a team player, and I like the idea of ha having a team effort, almost like we're like the financial planning uh, Justice League. We all come together to bring our superpowers together and our expertise to yield the best status for our clients or the best um, results for our clients. We can't know it all. We can only see so much from our seat in the stadium. And by partnering together with RPA, we can work together to increase savings for our clients and help them build their wealth. And on top of that, uh, we get to keep the human element at the forefront of all that we do. Because after all, this is a people business. We have to make sure that we put people first. I love that analogy, the, the Justice League. Uh, you like that too, right, Josh? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah that's, that's great. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> I'm going to use that too. <laughs> Uh, what kind of clients do you typically work with and, and, and what do those relationships look like? Oh, good question. I do work with a variety of clients. It could be individuals, meaning single, married, finally, jointly or separately. I can also work with businesses like small businesses or even full-size businesses. I do have extensive experience working with franchises and uh, residential real estate. Also, I can work with nonprofits, um, tax-exempt organizations, say, for example, the Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts. I'm very passionate just about working with our local heroes too, police, firefighters, medical professionals, because they, they really need our help and our, our foresight. Another thing I like to do too uh, is representation. And in case you're not familiar with representation, that's basically if you get an IRS love letter or maybe a love letter from a uh, state tax agency, I would be your advocate to help you address the issue and get that uh, rectified. That's pretty brave that you actually pick up the phone and call the IRS uh, on behalf of clients. Uh, I, I would not want to do that. I don't know. That's just an organization I don't want to mess with. <laughs> a lot of people don't like that. <laughs> so great to know that you do provide that service because that can be a very concerning and nervous time, too, if you get one of those letters. So you're saying you take care of that for clients. Exactly. And we have to keep in mind that it is a time-sensitive issue. So we don't want to hide from the letter. We want to respond as soon as possible and get that taken care of. 
because in the long run, you're actually saving yourself um, stress, time, and money too, because you're not paying as much in interest and penalties. I actually got a letter one time and I sent it over to my accountant at the time. It was mm -hmm. like, please handle. And then he took care of it. It was miraculous. It was really cool. So the Excellent. fact that you could do that to help our clients is going to be amazing. Yeah. Amber had worked with me a little while back regarding a client that um, sold some shares of stock that they had owned and they had purchased many, many, many years ago before you have to actually keep the basis of those shares. And I think uh, that that person had reported a zero basis on their tax return because they didn't really know how to correctly report it. And then they got that lovely letter from the IRS stating that they had a tremendous amount of taxes owed. And so Amber had represented them, worked with them, got the basis corrected to what it was actually supposed to be. And then what they owed in taxes was a very small amount compared to what the IRS said. Um, so representation, I wouldn't want to call them either. I think representation of having somebody that knows what they're doing to represent you is so critical too. And then another big area that I want to know about more, and I think a lot of people are interested in it, is, is tax planning. And tax planning, I think, comes in September, October, November at this last part of the year, right, where you're looking at the year being almost over. You're looking at going into next year, but you know you can make potentially some changes that could be helpful as you prepare to look into next year to save you some money to complete the, the year's tax returns. What is tax planning and how does it benefit people? My mentor used to say, we want to take the advantage of the present value of the dollar. We want to take advantage of that now. And this is an important aspect of financial planning because we want to minimize our tax liabilities. We want to save money and we want to reach life milestones. And we can't do that if we don't know exactly where we're going. Tax planning is also, it's also great to have tax planning at this time of year towards the last quarter because now we can make course corrections. Uh, maybe we don't need to withhold as much or we need to withhold more. Maybe we need to st sell some stocks. There's different things that we need to look at so that way we can file you most advantageously and you keep more of your money in your pocket. I mean, how often, too, do you look at and do tax planning and then communicate with the advisor regarding, here, here's the things that you could do before the end of the year, maybe tax loss harvest some positions in our portfolio or just make some adjustments that can save money? I would seem like that would happen a significant amount of times. Exactly. And that's exactly what, uh, that's just um, an important aspect of our, of our relationship. I receive information from you and then we put our heads together to see uh, specifically for this client and their tax circumstance, what can we do, what um, tax laws can we take advantage of while there's still time to make a correction? Now, off the top of my head, I would think like probably the two most important times for clients to come do a, a tax plan would probably be when they're going under like a significant life change. Maybe they're yes. getting married, uh, maybe a new job, or they're looking at retiring. Like, would you would you agree? And like, what are the kind of the you know best times for people to do this? Absolutely, life changes is probably like the number one. And like you said, either you're purchasing a house. Or maybe you're getting married, maybe you're getting divorced. There's a bunch of different things that could go that could happen where your tax circ circumstances have changed so significantly where you well, you'll have to make some sort of adjustments. Um, yep. One of the things that makes me saddest the most for taxpayers is when we don't time these um, we don't time these transactions properly, like purchasing a house at the end of the year as opposed to the beginning of the year, or should, are we loss harvesting? Should we straddle tax years when we're selling um, stocks, for example? Or if we're going to use loss harvesting, are we going to straddle two different tax years so you don't take the full burden in one year? Those are the kind of times that we want to look at that. That, that would make a lot of sense. And then even like for the, the clients who have those employer stock options and stuff where they have to cash them out exactly. in certain points, you want to probably plan that out so you don't get a big tax hit at the end of the year. Exactly. I think one other area that's important too is like if you're getting down towards the last couple months of the year, 
and you haven't, you still have room to make contributions into your 401k plan or your work retirement plan, and you have some money saved up, you might not necessarily need that last couple paychecks for the year. You can defer that obviously into your 401k plan, pull the extra money that you need out of savings and use your after-tax dollars. Just to probably another quick way to save a few thousand dollars in taxes and potentially helpful is you try to maximize your year. And I think that a tax plan can also calculate that savings for you. I think another big part of that tax plan, and Amber, correct me if I'm wrong, but actually finding out what your withholding should be. We have so many people that ask like, what should that withholding be? How can a tax plan help with that? Yes. The great part about that, I like to remind folks that um, everybody's tax return is as unique as your fingerprint. Nobody's the same. Nobody's tax situation is the same. So we want to make sure we take all of these um, pieces to the puzzle and we take those all into consideration so we can see exactly what your tax liability, what your taxable income is and what your tax liability is and what can we do to minimize your tax liability. So how does an investment advisor like RPA help you create better tax plans for clients than just traditionally doing a tax plan? Now, this is the part that I'm like most excited about. I want to touch back to our Justice League partnership too, because we're using our unique expertise to develop these very specific tax strategies. Um, For example, like you were saying with IRAs, we can work together to develop some strategic retirement planning, accelerating contributions to boost savings or making more effective withdrawals or identifying tax efficient accounts even or transferring assets to heirs and, and beneficiaries. We can move certain pieces of the puzzle around to make it as advantageous as possible for our clients. Um, What are also some of the year-end tax planning strategies people can take advantage of? One of my favorites that we just discussed, uh, loss harvesting. Um, I always like to remind my taxpayers to be wary of the watch sale rules, basically meaning that you can't take a loss if you're buying substantially the same stock you just sold within 30 days. Now, it doesn't apply to crypto, but that's still in the works right now. Another year-end tax planning strategy I'd like to promote is donations. A lot of folks tend to lowball themselves with donations, but you don't have to. As long as you are keeping proper records and you keep an account of what you donated, yes, please take the donations. Actually, it could help uh, bring down your tax rate significantly by increasing your itemized deductions. I have a question on the donations. Like, mm-hmm. so when you say keep proper records, um, I in ideally in, in your in your view, what would you like to see from from a client? Like a spreadsheet, a check, photocopies of the checks. Like, what's the best? Oh, great question. Uh, spreadsheets work really well for record keeping, and this is something you can always refer back to because there is a chance that we could be audited. Any one of us could be. There's not a whole lot of folks working at the IRS right now, so not going to get audited anytime soon. But in case you do. You will need this record to reflect back on, and we'd want to know the date and um, the list of items that you did donate. If you made a cash donation, you can send, uh, keep a copy of the check. As long as it has the date, the entity, and the amount, you should be covered. I'll also have more um, information on our website at collaborativetaxpartners.com, where you can actually see a checklist of things that you want to keep to fulfill your record keeping requirements. That's awesome. I mean, how often, and I think the reason that we want to focus to part of this, um, these questions on tax planning is because mm-hmm. when you get to next February or you get into March, you get into April and you're completing people's tax returns, it would seem like it's very difficult at that point to go back and make too many changes because the year's already over. How many times do you see mistakes where you would see if you, they would have just done this before year end, we probably could have been in a much better position. Oh, great question. I actually see that scenario uh, 
more frequently than I would like to, because we're so in our day to day, we're just so we're so involved in what we're doing day to day. We don't stop to think. It doesn't occur for most of us to stop and think, uh oh, I need to do something with my taxes. I see the situation too often where we're meeting in, in February and now we're scrambling to get all of these documents together. And it still is not yielding the result that we want because we didn't take action in the proper time of the year. Yeah, it's, it's strange to me that most people don't recognize that tax, doing, getting your taxes done and then doing tax planning is, is a, a multi-step thing. It's like, yeah, you got to get your taxes completed in, mm-hmm. in March or April, but you should also be doing a tax planning meeting at the end of the year. So you should really be meeting with your tax professional at least twice a year. Would you agree? Absolutely. At least twice a year. And even if you want to just send an email, just if you have a couple of quick questions, just so you'll have the peace of mind and it brings it to your, um, your preparer's attention. So they'll make a note in your file and we'll make sure to touch base on this in the future. So you're never left hanging. Is there any other big mistakes you see people make? Oh, yes, actually. Um, taxpayers foregoing um, they're electing to forgo certain deductions out of fear. But if you're entitled to take the deduction, you have the records to back it up. Please take the deduction. There's no rule. And I know there's a quote for this too. There's no rule that says you have to pay the maximum amount of tax possible. No, you're allowed to minimize your tax and we should take advantage of that rule. Also, I see a lot of taxpayers making large ticket purchases at a really bad time. Like I mentioned earlier, um, purchasing a house, but towards the end of the year, so you don't have the full year's worth of deductions. Um, so that's also an issue that can actually hurt you in the future. Let's take a step back again to our tax agency love letters. A lot of folks will tend to, when they get that IRS love letter, they will tuck it back. They'll put it under the carpet. They will hide it. But you're not doing yourself any justice by not addressing the situation. So they will work with you, but you do have to talk to them. That's a good strategy. File it away and hope the problem goes away. <laughs> Doesn't sound like something they'll forget about. Out of no. sight, out of mind, Matt. <laughs> Do you have an example of one of those deductions like you were talking about in your first statement with the mistakes? Oh, I see what you mean. To foregoing those deductions? Yeah, yeah. Do you have oh, an example? like employee business expenses. Now, I know we can't take this on the federal return now, but let's use the California return because you can still take um, employee business expenses. Some folks will not take um, the full amount of whatever their allocated business cell phone is or the u- specific uniforms they had to purchase for work or any kind of lodging expense or going to special meetings. They'll take like a safe, per- I'm using the air quotes here, using a safe percentage or same as last year. But that's once again, that's not doing yourself any favors. Sure. And what I'm hearing also is you probably should be keeping pretty good records. So it is yes. accurate. So you're getting the most of that out of that deduction. Getting the most bang for your buck. And you have the peace of mind knowing that it was done accurately. My wife has always wanted a tax deduction for her Gucci um, <laughs> uh, sandals and shoes that she has to wear to work events. Um, but every tax person tells her no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not going to fly. Yeah. Uh, what is the one thing our listeners can do to prepare for this tax season? One thing that actually kind of ties into the last question too is making sure that you keep accurate records. Start gathering your records now. There's no sense in waiting till January or February when you're under pressure to find a lot of information and then be accurate too. Making large purchases or um, basing uh, financial obligations on your anticipated refund. I can't tell you how many times taxpayers were disappointed because they're expecting a large refund, but to cover the new windows that they just purchased or the new car, but something came up where the refund is delayed or it's been offset for another obligation. So I would definitely tell people, make sure you know exactly what's going on with your tax account, which actually leads me into my next recommendation. 
please start an IRS and a Franchise Tax Board tax account. It's completely free. You can log into your account, see all the returns you have filed. Like if you needed a refi, for example, and you need a copy of your tax return, you can get a copy of that. You can also see exactly what your earnings are per tax year and get a copy of your wage and income transcripts. So it just puts you as the consumer back in power and back in control of your information. That's such good advice for people. So I didn't even know this existed. Me but, either. But when I went to go buy a house, I used my Roth IRA as down payment, mm. but the um, first time home buyer. But the issue right. is I didn't track my basis. Um, my previous accountant did, but it was done so long ago. So I wanted to prove that I'd actually put in what I put in. So what I did was I went to the, I, I made an account just like you said it. And I went mm-hmm. there and I went back in the years and pulled my basis, um, printed right. out the paper and highlighted it and then gave it to my new accountant to use um, so we wouldn't have any penalties on, on the Roth. So really cool. Yes, and, co- and you covered all your bases, and it's totally worth the work. The extra f- steps to take care of that completely worth it. Yeah, really and I believe cool. they even have like details of like what stimulus checks that you potentially received um, yes. in the past. So it has a lot of information on there. I created an account, and I, I again, very useful. So great recommendation. Yeah, the, the, actually, the stimulus checks. It was a really big one last this past tax season because a lot of people didn't get receive the notice. The notice. 1444A or B, they didn't receive the notice at all. So they had no idea. And a lot of people actually had to go back into their bank records to see, when did I receive this money? But if you have the IRS tax account, you can go in and see for yourself and put you back in control. I'm assuming from there too, once you have an account set up that you can go in and and cross-reference your wages on your tax returns to what social security says to make sure that your social security benefits are being reflected and your incomes are being reflected correctly. Yeah, and you've talked about that too, about making sure that that income is being reported correctly. So a great way to cross-reference using those two sites. Absolutely. You make an excellent point because the Social Security Administration just um, advised us that they're discontinuing the no-match letters. Basically, that we send out letters to certain employers to say, hey, this Social Security number does not match what we have on file. You might want to check that so this person's Social Security earnings aren't incorrect. SSA is not going to be doing that anymore. Wow. So if you have an IRS account, you can actually go in and see. And if there's any issues, you can go ahead and make corrections or have that addressed. That could ruin your retirement if your Social Security is not being filed correctly. Mm-hmm. That's, that's well, what a nightmare task to try to even get that fixed. Yeah, imagine you worked at the same company for 30 years and it's never recorded because you had the wrong digit in your Social Security number. Yeah. Or yeah. wrong and <laughs> your paycheck's 50% less. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and then you got to have to go back and prove records of all that earned income. That would be a nightmare. No, thanks. Uh, one other question I have, too, um, that I think is... Uh, important to really where some of investing is going. And, and I think there's this tax element that has to be always taken into consideration. So what is your experience in working with people who hold cryptocurrencies? There's this whole new market now of uh, people that need to file for this. That's what's amazing about this segment. Um, I started working with cryptocurrency taxpayers maybe five, six years ago. And I literally had a handful of clients. I was maybe three. <laughs> now I'm seeing a more diverse segment of people getting into cryptocurrency. And the thing I love about this, ta- this taxpayer is that they're very enthused and they're very engaged. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of different changes right now that are happening through Congress. And a lot of people are participating and talking about it and getting involved. Um, I noticed one thing with cryptocurrency that has not changed. We're still having an issues, as Matt was mentioning earlier, having issues with basis tracking mm-hmm. because now we're executing these transactions, but we have no idea how much we purchased of whatever the coin was for. We have no idea. 
business, uh, we end up generating a higher tax liability as that, a result. That's, that's actually true. So one thing I learned when looking at my own personal Coinbase account is Coinbase um, isn't tracking my basis. I mean, all my buys and sells are there. But it's not like at Schwab where I could go on and see like how much I've made on my Bitcoin or Ethereum. Um, there are a couple of softwares, and I don't remember what they're called, that will track it for you now that have come out in the last year, which is pretty cool. But like, I think there should be, um, and this probably goes down the regulation path, you know, rules for Coinbase like where they need to hold people's basis because I mean that could cause a massive tax issue. Yes, a huge tax issue, and. We have, to, we have to have some sort of B plan, too, because if we're not tracking it, yes, Coinbase should be tracking that for them, for yeah. sure. The other question I have is, and we've done podcasts on uh, the Biden administration's uh, tax plan that they're proposed to come out in, in possibly in 2021. And then it seems like they just this week had released some elements and changes to, to it, another one. Um, how do you keep up with all of these changes? Because it seems mm -hmm. so fluid. And it seems like the last couple of years, You've had to go into the beginning of tax season, and they haven't even completely released where some of the tax changes have been. Like, how do you keep up with all of it? Very little sleep, lots of coffee. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, last tax year was a nightmare. There was there's always an industry joke, you know, amongst the tax professionals. This is my last year. I can't do it anymore. There was quite a few professionals who said, "No, for real, this time, this is I can't do this," <laughs> because it's so much that we have to keep up on. I do uh, belong to a number of um, professional organizations where I'm able to get access to the most um, updated law changes. Not to mention um, staying engaged with the IRS's website and just staying engaged in that end too. That's outstanding. I think you know nowadays it just seems so complicated that they're making changes so rapidly that. You there's probably, you know, you have to be able to adjust and make changes also as those come out right away. Yes, this is something that one of the professional organizations I belong to had mentioned they wanted to go to Congress and say, hey, can we get a flat set of rules for and just keep it like that? Because the administrative burden is just too much for us practitioners and for the taxpayers. I'm hoping Congress will listen this time. So if somebody wants to either do tax planning with you at the end of this year or they want to get ready um, next year and get their taxes done by you, um, what is the best way that they can reach out to you? Excellent question. Definitely feel welcome to reach me at our website. You can schedule an appointment there at collaborativetaxpartners.com. Also feel welcome to send me an email too. You can reach me at amber at ctptax.com. Also, uh, you can reach me by the phone at 877-634-3377. I think we'll put that in the show notes too, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll put some stuff in the show notes. That's pretty brave giving out your phone number like that. <laughs> we get a lot of listens on this podcast. So I hope you don't start getting a bunch of spam calls. Um, but also any clients who, you know, would love a connection with Amber, um, you know, reach out to, you know, Brent, myself or Josh. And, you know, we would love to, to book a time and we could all work together. I, I like how you're able to schedule an appointment on your website. I mean, there's nothing better nowadays and being able to go onto a website and just schedule an appointment without having to call. I don't know if you guys feel that same way, but it's just so much more convenient. I don't like having to call a place to schedule an appointment. Oh no, it can match to my schedule, you know, when Amber's available. So great there. And, and, and thank you, Amber. I just think that just the, with this conversation, you can see how fast things change, how many updates yes. there always are and having someone, you know, a professional like you to help out and answer those questions uh, can be helpful for a lot of people. So. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, failing to plan is planning to fail. So plan ahead and, and, you know, if you could save money, I mean, that's that's what I think is the best. I mean, do your work, do your homework, work together, and, and that's a good way to save money. Um, let's get into the last thing of the show. Let's get into RPA Recommends. Matt, what do you have for us? 
All right, Amber's first recommends. I'm excited to hear what you got for <laughs> us. Um, so I'll start us off. I'll go with Succession. Um, so this is the best show on TV right now, hands down. Um, HBO has a winner on their hands. I know for a five or six year stretch, actually it's probably longer, Game of Thrones was dominant and that was the big franchise for HBO. Everyone was like, what's going to be the next Game of Thrones? It's here. It's not a dragon show though. It's Succession. It's a business show and it is incredible. I can't, I, I can't keep up, though, man. There's just so many good shows. Yeah, this one's better than all the other ones. So, so this show is this really like good. High priority. Like, the, the lines, the, um, like the scripting of it is just beautiful. It's intense, but you kind of feel like you're there in the room listening to them. Um, the backstabbing, it, it's great. Uh, highly recommend Succession on HBO. I got to get caught up on all of these shows. I'll, uh, I'll go next. Um, I know a big joke about my cell phone on this podcast. One thing I will have to say, though, uh, about this new phone, I don't know if I mentioned it, but the new wallet from Apple that connects to the back of the phone, it's like a MagSafe wallet on the new iPhones. I think the newer iPhones, the last two, game changing. Love it. Holds my cards. What it also does is if the wallet gets disconnected from your phone, it alerts you and then tells you the last place you left it. A lot of people, you know, probably are like, hey, that, that wallet, if I lose it, I don't know where it's at, but it'll actually alert you to that. So pretty cool software, really enjoying it. Um, thanks, guys, for the recommendation on me getting a new phone. That's the whole reason I haven't bought one of those wallets that you have, because I'm like, oh, I'm going to lose that real fast. But that's pretty cool that it alerts you. It alert, Yeah, it alerts you. And I think it's like implementing that new tag technology, too, that Apple's launching. It's like you could buy tags and put them on your bag you know, in your backpack and it'll let you know where you last left it. But yeah, with the Find My iPhone now, I mean, you can basically track all of your devices from, you know, an iPad to a computer and log in and even now your wallet. I'm going to get a tag for my AirPod case. There you go. You read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but the wallet, really cool. Really like it. Check it out on their site. You could tell me if I'm wrong, but like I used to carry some cash in my pocket. You know, if I went into somewhere, I'd just pay with cash. But like once COVID hit, it seems like nobody wants to exchange cash anymore. And maybe I'm just catching up late, but maybe this just pushed it over. But literally, I don't see any use to have cash anymore. They talked about that in the beginning of COVID, about how, I mean, cash just wasn't in circulation, right? That was the, the scarcity on even bills and coins, even at the banks, because there wasn't just a lot of exchange of actual physical money. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, it kind of seems like why carry it if no one's accepting it? Uh, what do you have for us, Amber? All right. So, you know, taxes is a very left brained thing. And my, the poor right hemisphere of my brain is just has been neglected. So I said, okay, I need to get something artsy in, in my life. So I found this website. It's called Night Cafe Studio. Basically, I have two options with this website. You can upload a picture that you, that you have, or you can enter in keywords and you can have um, AI create a picture for you based on those keywords. Now with the pictures you upload, you can add different filters to it or effects and make it look like Van Gogh or Renoir, whatever you'd like. I have spent quite a few hours <laughs> developing some beautiful, beautiful pictures and it just, it just takes me away and I don't have to think about bills, numbers or anything like that. It's just been fantastic and I strongly recommend it for anyone who just needs a, just a getaway. This sounds like a program that generates NFTs. And that sounds really cool. I'm going to have to check this out. Yes. Um, and then maybe I'll list my first NFT on OpenSea and become an ETH Ethereum millionaire. Oh, my goodness. Actually, yes, remember. <laughs> You're entering into the meta, huh, Matt? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting in that metaverse. Uh, my recommend is to save people money. Uh, do your tax planning. It's that time of year. You don't have a lot of time. 
it's such an important aspect. There's something about saving money for clients that I just really love. No matter how much portfolio returns are and how happy they are, there's nothing that makes me happier than watching them save a couple thousand dollars that they don't have to pay to the IRS. That just keeps money in their back pocket. I think that's awesome. There's no real way to do it uh, than doing planning early. I think people take that step because once the next year starts, let me tell you, it's too late. All right, so let's close out the show. Uh, As advisors, we love helping people. That's why we do it. If you'd like to schedule an appointment with any of us, please go to rpaywealth.com and schedule a complimentary consultation. You can also download our ebook on our website. And if you'd like the show notes, uh, and there was a lot of them today, please go to retirementplanplaybook.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you, Amber. Thank you, Amber. Thank you so much. RPA Wealth Management is a state-registered investment advisor located in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. RPA Wealth Management may only transact business in those states and jurisdictions in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. A copy of RPA Wealth Management's current disclosure statement, Form ADV Part 1, containing RPA Wealth Management's business operations, services, and fees is available by accessing the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. RPA Wealth Management will provide Form ADV Part 2A from Brochure and 2B Brochure Supplement to interested parties upon request. Information provided on this podcast should not be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to acquire or dispose of any investment or engage in any other transaction. RPA Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personal investment advice or financial planning advice through its podcasts. RPA Wealth Management podcasts are intended for information and educational purposes only.